broadcasting from New York City. Re-elect J. Jonah Jameson in 2014. It's Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Matt. And this is your other host, Brett. Uh, is J. Jonah Jameson still mayor of New York City? Yeah. But in... What about de Blasio? Well, de Blasio is like the honorary mayor. He's like <laughs> king. Is there a mayor? Is there a Bill de Blasio in... The Marvel Universe? I mean, until I see that there isn't, I assume that there is. Jeez. Dan Slott. Dan Slott would be the one to address this. Yeah, yeah. So just watch out. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 700, whatever. 700.13 will be the special election issue. Special, like, I know, all you Bill de Blasio supporters got a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Merry Holidays. Merry Holidays? I like it. I'll take it. Um... Yeah, happy holidays to everyone. We're getting close to Christmas and the new year. Um, our uh, our web series with Above Average should be wrapped up when this show airs. Uh, yeah. Our show with Left Handed Radio. So Which you heard about last week. Yeah, please check out all four episodes at uh, youtube.com slash network. That was really fun to work on. It's been exciting to get feedback on that. Yeah, one Batman one too, so it's up your alley. Yeah. People. It's up your alley. People, you almost said that like so threateningly. Well, I get it. Give us views, or I will track you down. Wow. Okay. You so you said that blatantly. You threateningly. Yeah, I'm threatening you. Oh, specifically you. Get out of the no, room. I'm, get out of the room. You don't think I'm talking about you, but I am. Come on, just just go, just go till I calm him don't down. Don't make me angry. Okay. Oh God. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. <laughs> Since it is close to the holidays, we decided that it's time to dip into some holiday, uh, cheer. You cannot see me using air quotes there. Oh, hard, hard air quotes. Hard air quotes. Hard air quotes. Yeah, yeah, episode. both fingers, both fingers were together and I had a full 90 degree tilt Man, at my middle knuckle. I'm now, I'm now wondering if there has ever been a sincere, like, Christmas issue of any comic book ever. Oh, certainly, but we decided we to do... <laughs> no, we did not. Um... I'd originally, uh, originally, we were talking about doing the Metropolis mailbag issues of Superman, and then, uh, and then I just kept looking for stuff and found weirder things, uh, yeah. and we were like, let's try those. So, uh, this week, we read two issues that came out of DC Comics in the 90s related to Christmas. We read the Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special mm-hmm. from 1991, and we also read Hitman by Garth Ennis and John McRae. Hitman number 22. Number 22, um, which is uh, another Christmas-themed story. And we realized as we picked these that there is the running theme of uh, putting a hit out on Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, joining us today, uh, reading those delightful issues, is the current writer of Long Shot Saves the Marvel Universe, Mr. Christopher Hastings. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. <laughs> Uh, and I gotta say, your cardigan game is on point tonight. Oh, likewise, thank you. I'm sure <laughs> Certainly. your listeners will appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're a very visual <laughs> podcast. Mine is gray, and yours is maroon. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's the type of deep insight we look for here on Matt and Brett Love Comics. A chunky knit. Yeah, yeah, chunky, right. uh, chunky knit, oh, uh, wow. partial cable, um... Not the not the Marvel. You guys hero. know more words to describe carding is than just like thick and thin. <laughs> shawl, they're both shawl collared. I took the buttons off mine. Ah, uh, because they were sewed on very poorly, and I was afraid they would fall off if I left the house. That's understandable. So I what company? Screw it. Are we going to call them out? Uh, ben Sherman, I think. Okay. London. That's disappointing too, because Ben Ben Sherman charges a uh, high fire a far higher price for a lot of the quality of the clothes that they that they put out 
kind of disappointed by that sometimes. And then pull this, pull this shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, here I am. <laughs> Call it that on a yep. podcast that can Call be heard the by carpet. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have the Ben Sherman execs, our big the BSEs, big yeah. listeners. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Ben, Mr. Sherman. <laughs> yeah, it's not one guy's name. It's two guys. <laughs> one of them is Sherman Helmsley. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but crash landing back into real talk <laughs> from that. Uh, I've not had a lot of social interaction today, so I'm rip, I'm rip roaring and ready to go. You're rip roaring and ready uh, to go. Okay. Yeah, this is the kind of buffoonery that people have to listen to. Last week was a tour de force of my own buffoonery. I wouldn't say it was buffoonery. It was fun. I made everyone talk about what superhero they want to have sex with. He did talk about so that. So that was... Uh, comics. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we went, to be fair, we went like 93 episodes without broaching that topic. So That's I true. feel like we did better than like Comic Book Men. Yeah, yeah. Which was like immediately like right off the bat. I think it was in the <laughs> opening credits, right? Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, you know, everybody here has better facial hair than that one guy, too. <laughs> Agreed. This is very Again, another one running. for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, all these reindeer around us—that's <laughs> true—that were like eviscerating oh. Lobo style. So nice of them to be so quiet. Oh, they're hovering. That's <laughs> oh, that's yeah, yeah. Using their powers to hover. Yeah, yeah. Brett politely asked them to not make any tapping noises during the recording because it affects show those. up in the background. Um, Christopher, uh, there's a Venn diagram of our social circles that we were not aware of. Um, that's true. Uh, you do improv comedy. Yes, I do. Um, which is a thing that listeners um, who do not know what improv comedy are have heard me and Matt prattle on about a lot in the past. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so uh, I will, I'm, we're always very interested in learning about writers' like improv background. We talked about Kelly Sue DeConnick because uh, she was an improviser and like oh. she was on a team with Dave Holmes around yeah. the, year, the year 2000. That doesn't surprise me though. Yeah, that yeah. lady is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. hilarious and quick-witted, and we got to I don't I don't know. If, I don't know if we knew she did improv. We knew she was friends with Dave Holmes. And then it was like, well, you did improv? Let's talk about this. Yeah. So, um, like, what is your history with improv and comedy and whatnot? Um, well, improv, I'll tell you, not very long. I think I've been doing improv for maybe a year and a half. Um, but I hit it real hard, as I understand is typical. Yep. Yep. Uh, so... Yeah, it's like heroin. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think it's cost me any friends. <laughs> well, then you're not uh, doing it right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've neglected a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but not all things. Uh, that didn't cost me. You know, <laughs> well, it's like you've got that thing where you you burn out a lot of friendships, getting them to come to the level one show. Yeah, yeah. and then good luck after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Come to the basement of the Triple Crown to see oh, a show. I never, I never ask. For the Triple Crown shows. No, that is a show for the other people who are performing. Yeah, yeah. And I will not inflict it on anyone else. Yeah. Now, under St. Mark's shows, my team, I was on a team called Iron Ruckus, and we used to host shows there, and we, mm-hmm. that's when we're like, you need to come and pay money, because then we will have to pay money if you don't pay money. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, we, I, we, I would really uh, press the flesh. I don't know that. That's a... I do not know that phrase. That is a, that is a, that is a, that, I don't know if I phrase. used it correctly. Uh, well, that's for right? handshakes. Yeah. yeah. So, I didn't do that. I pressed the internet Facebook flesh. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Somehow sounds worse. Yeah. <laughs> so a year and a half, what got you into doing it? Uh, well, I've, I've always, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed watching it for a very long time. Um, you know, I, in high school, I really liked watching Whose Line Is It Anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think when I, I worked at a Boy Scout camp, and I would do, like, sketch comedy for these... Uh, these like campfire uh, things that we would have. They're, they're basically little variety shows that you, know, yeah. you put on with the Boy Scouts. 
and um, I got really into the sketch comedy. And I, I guess I look, looking back, I realized, I'm like, oh, we, we kind of just took a rough thing and then improvised it every night. So yeah. it's kind of always been there in the background a little bit. But um, yeah, it used to be a big first date move where I would I would take people to see a show at UCB. Oh, wow. And then, oh, awesome. And then go to Dallas Barbecue. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's open. Like, it's open it, late. <laughs> because it's open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's more romantic than splitting an onion loaf. I think oh. is what they call that Te- appetizer. Texas size margaritas get the yeah. job done. Yeah. Did you get the, the test tube shot? They kind of default to that test tube shot. <laughs> like, like you want that, right? I noticed that they don't. They they stopped asking at some point, and you would, if you wanted to not pay that extra dollar for that shot, you'd have to ask them to just remove it. Yeah, but nobody's going to do that. Opt yeah. out of the test tube shot. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. But uh, yeah, and then you know, um, years later, uh, we had some. Uh, some friends who were involved in the like musical improv, like they like uh, I have a friend who, who like would be the the accompanist for oh, yeah. uh, some musical improv stuff, and then we started seeing some shows at the Magnet with him, and then signed up for their free class, and then my wife got into it before I did, and then she started. Uh, my wife is Carly Minardo. She's a artist, uh, does illustration, kind of everything. Um, and She's also hilarious. You should follow her on Twitter. Carly's a funny lady. That's at Worrying Blender. Uh, and uh, she, so she started doing posters for the Magnet Theater and then uh, racking up basically free classes and then ah. did enough that she was not only to, able to get free classes for herself, but me too. And she's like, just take level one. Just It's free. Go to it. Awesome. <laughs> so then I did, and then I was like, oh, I'm obsessed now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I uh, went through most of the program at UCB as well. But I mean, you've always been a, a very funny writer too. Like I first discovered your work through uh, Doctor McNinja, which I loved. Thank you. Um, you you can still love it; it's still going. Yeah. Well, I meant I just meant that you know he has to stop. He has like limits on his love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Is that a Lionel Richie song? That's it. Limits it on be. his love. It could be, um, or it could be like a gospel hymn. Yeah, there are there are no limits to his love. That yeah. definitely is a gospel hymn. Anyway, continue. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I had, you know, started reading it uh, several years ago, and I really, uh, I don't know, I like, I love the sense of humor of it. I like the sort of uh, um, fantastical, the, the, the sort of accepted fantasticalism of mm-hmm. it, that weird stuff always happens in it. And everyone just accepts it as like, of course that's happening. Oh, that's, that's where we live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. Before I started improv, I was a comedy writer professionally for years. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it helped. <laughs> yeah, I guess that helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was weird discovering that, like, all these things that I thought were so brilliant that I was doing in my writing had been, like, comedy concepts for years. Yeah. You know, like, I was like, well, you know, if he's a doctor and he's a ninja, and his name's Dr. Bing Ninja, well, then, obviously, he's from a family of ninjas. And then I was like, and then... And then, if that is true, what else yeah. is true? Yeah. And then I go, go to comedy school, and it's like, oh, everyone does that. Everyone does that. Yeah. No, but that's good, because that means, you know, at the very least, in, in terms of, like, comedy storytelling and stuff, you already had those instincts in place. Um, and it, not even beyond that, like, like even in the, uh, the trade that Dark Horse put together, um, I love that you had, like, you know, gutter captions for pretty much every page. <laughs> yeah. There was just, like... There were there were jokes in the story itself, and then captions commenting on the things that you've already written, and it just 
it even felt beyond that like like a fun meta commentary on your own yeah on your own work what uh i've kind of become a character like in in itself like in the comic in that commentary like, <laughs> yeah like the guy who just keeps saying all the characters are stupid <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so where did uh, where did that concept start? I mean, was that was that something that you were? I don't know. Where, when did you come up with it? How did you uh, how did you decide to just like chug away at it until it became something that was your job? Um, well, uh, I I always wanted to make comics uh, as a job. Uh, and I went to the School of Visual Arts, um, and got a degree in cartooning. And, um, while I was there, you know, I did a lot of, like, typical superhero-y kind of stuff for, like, all the various storytelling exercises and things like that. You know, you just have to draw a lot of comics while you're there. Were you the only person that was sort of doing that, or? No, no, it's, it's a whole program. Yeah. Okay, so it was specifically to, like, oh, it is like drawing. superhero it cartooning. Is, it is a, yeah, it is a drawing well you could you could adjust your your courses to like there are certain courses that were taught like you had a choice of three different teachers for one specific class if you wanted to draw like more like you know sort of i hate to say that put indie comics or superhero comics like, yeah if, you know you, you could kind of adjust your your course load and t to like who you liked so mm -hmm. like i had a lot of like Marvel DC guys teaching me like I had you know Walter Simonson Oof. and I had Klaus Janssen oh man and David Mazzucchelli <laughs> holy crap uh, yeah I, uh, there's a couple a couple old jokers uh, just teaching me some yeah, tricks yeah yeah uh, let's see Joey Cavalieri too I had a lot uh, he's wow like, yeah DC editor um, so yeah so I had a very much like superhero comics this you know way of learning how to make them um, but I got a little tired of sort of the melodrama. Um, like I kept, like, I just sort of instinctually, like instinctively have to keep drawing funny crap, like in, like yeah. in the background stuff. I didn't even realize I was doing it, you know, like until I started getting called out on it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So then, um, I, I took a, I, I think between my junior and senior year, I, I stuck around in New York City and interned at Marvel and um, and then took a summer class just to keep drawing comics while I was there. And it was around the summer class where we were told, like, oh, just draw whatever you want. Just make a 15-page comic, and then, you know, you'll get critiqued every week. And just, yeah, it'll be pretty relaxed. I think there were only four students in the class and oh, nice. three teachers. It was called huh. the Cartooning Hothouse. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then just really not a lot of people signed up for it. But it was great. Uh, and then that's when I was like, well, I think I'm going to try this Dr. McNinja thing out that I've been thinking of. Um, and that came about from, Dr. McNinja was my online name. Like, yeah. Uh, was that your AIM name? Uh, I registered for AIM too late to get it. Like, like There's another one running around? Well, the thing was, like, I made it, like, I sort of popularized <laughs> it on the Something Awful forums. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. That's where I first did it. And then I didn't register for AIM for a while, and then someone else saw it, and then snagged it for themselves on AIM. So I had to be, like, Dr. McNinja spelled out with a zero. Oh. But, anyway, yeah, I just, I was like, this is a fun name for myself online. And then I started kind of thinking about what he would be like as a comic character, a Dr. McNinja. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and then I, I drew uh, the very first Doctor Ninja comic where he fights Ronald McDonald for that 
that class and then I was like, oh, this is really fun. I like drawing, I like writing jokes and still drawing people, punching people. And then, <laughs> um, and then the senior year I, uh, was like portfolio year at SBA where they're like, all right, this is where you're going to work on making your portfolio that you're going to show to Marvel and to DC and then you're going to get a job. <laughs> and of course, I mean... It's just that easy, kids. No, I mean, it's like, no, every, nobody lied to us. Yeah. It's all very clear, like, you're not going to get hired with this portfolio. Yeah, like, yeah. unless, like, you're incredible. Yeah. And even then, like, you might just be a fill-in artist. But, so I, um, that was, that was the era that I had, that I had, uh, I had Walt. And, uh, I was like, hey, so, we both know I'm not a good enough drawer to to actually work in mainstream comics like i've gone through this whole program things yeah. haven't really progressed that quickly uh so i, I have this kind of indie thing i want to do so how about I, I i work on this dr mcninja comic and then maybe i can pitch it to smaller publishers and he said sure so while everybody else like kind of drew i, I guess it was a lot of scripts that walter had written like manhunter and like mm. thor and stuff oh cool wow. yeah and then he was like ah change the characters if you feel like it whatever uh, so I worked on Dr. Ninja, and then I graduated, and then I sent it to publishers, like a little pitch package. Uh, none of them responded, uh, including Dark Horse, which now publishes Dr. McNinja. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, screw it, I'm going to make it as a webcomic, and then I just decided to just go in, and then I was, uh, my roommate was Kent Archer, and I was afraid of inking at the time, I just wasn't good at it, and I didn't yeah. want to learn, so... Kent was my anchor, and then we teamed up and we worked on this comic, and then we just did it as a webcomic for a while, and then it took off in popularity pretty quickly, and then maybe like seven months after that, I was able to start selling some t-shirts off my website, and then um, was immediately making more money than at my day job from t-shirts. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so and, I'm trying yeah. to do this right now. I'm going to follow all these steps. Yeah, well, the, t- the t-shirt business, I'll say, is a lot tougher than it was back then. I, all the all the webcomic old-timers are great. Like, you could yeah. just slap anything on a t-shirt and it would sell. Not anymore. There's way too much competition. Too many t-shirt, too, t-shirt game. Oh, yeah. T-shirt game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, you know, you've got to be the first person to come with your Doctor Who, Calvin and Hobbes crossover shirt or... Yeah, yeah, or you're out. Well, your Zazzle store is gonna be shuttered <laughs> soon. I have a I have a friend that that runs a t-shirt business, uh, ZenMonkeyStudios.com, uh, and I worked at his booth for New York Comic Con this year, and it it is it's it's amazing like the competition that there is in that in that industry now, especially in just within. Like, it's an industry too, which is actually kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Like even like ten years ago, if you've been like. The the nerd niche joke t-shirt industry <laughs> is gonna be huge. I've yeah. been like, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. In two thousand four, at the wonderful Beaver Valley Mall in Western Pennsylvania, <laughs> which says a lot already. But um, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she was wearing a t-shirt that said, "I'm blogging this," <laughs> and no less than nine people younger than us asked us what that meant. Oh. And I was like, you guys don't know what blogs are? And then, yeah. and now you wear that and people are like, why are you wearing that old shirt? <laughs> like that is... It goes without saying that you're blogging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your Google Glass told us that you were doing that. Uh, well, but now, like, you, you might not have thought you would get attention from the big two with your art, but you've gotten it with your writing now. Because yeah, you are. Worked out pretty good. Um, you've done a bunch of stuff for Marvel now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, including Marvel now. 
Uh, Longshot Saves the Universe okay. is part of Marvel now. I, I believe would, so, Because yeah. uh, it is being published by Marvel right now. Right now. Yeah. So, it's Marvel right now. Oh, yeah, right it, now. Does, it does say the now thing on the cover, I think. I don't yeah. think... It, I don't, I'm not it has sure the trade how... dress, I know. Yeah. Oh, is that what you call it? Um, what I called the thingy on the cover. <laughs> the thingy on the cover. <laughs> how do the I... cover thingy. Yeah. That, oh, I think it's because I think I learned that at Wizard. Um, yeah. Cover thingy? Uh, no, trade dress. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's as if it's, I don't know if it's like part of like the, what do they call it, like the waves of Marvel now they call it? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's, I think it's somewhere in between. I mean, he gets a new haircut, you know. So yeah, there is a, it's a soft now. reboot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how did that? I mean, how did that project come about? I mean, Longshot, you know, created by Art Adams and Anna Sinti in the '80s, became Chris Claremont basically just like, hey, I like this character, I'm gonna make him an X Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that how that happened? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, like yeah. his original miniseries is just a Longshot Mojoverse adventure, and then Chris yeah. Claremont just was just head over heels in love with Art Adams' work, and it's just, and I think like they were just. I think there was maybe, I'm guesstimating at this point, a long delay in any more new Longshot stuff, and Chris Claremont was like, well, I'll just take it. Like, I'll use him in... And Anna Sinti was also the editor on X-Men at the time, yeah. so it made more sense. Um, but then, like, he disappeared for a while and then came back in Peter David's X-Factor book, which is one of my favorites of all time. Yep. Um, uh, and now he has another uh, miniseries, which is the first miniseries he's had since his original one. I he had a one shot in like the nineties, I do believe. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to pick up that. I think it, like he loses his luck. I think is part of this yeah. Story. Yes, a, fr- a friend of mine who was a long shot fan told me about it. I was like, I was not aware of this at all. <laughs> yeah. How did the uh, How did the assignment come about? Oh, uh, well, uh, the editor, uh, Jordan D. White, friend of the podcast, he's been on. He's show. an FOP. <laughs> <laughs> he is down with FOP. Um, uh, it was his idea. Uh, he called me up and said, "Hey, we want to make this comic called Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe. What do you know about Longshot?" <laughs> I didn't know anything. <laughs> I was like, "I was like, he has probability altering." Power. It's one of the hardest powers to write. I well, I didn't say. even know. Was, yeah. I was just guessing based off the name. And then he told me, "He's like, all right, well, it's fine. We'll send you the comics, and you can read them." Uh, but he was like, he's like, yeah, you know, we, he's, you know, X Factor Investigations is, is wrapping up, and uh, we'd like to give Longshot a solo book again, and uh, I think with his powers, we can do a lot of, like, crazy stuff, and yeah. it'd be really fun, and, and we just wanted to see if I wanted to do it, and I, I said, yeah. Man. Yeah, you, you've really, like, stretched his powers to <laughs> crazy limits in this, um, mm-hmm. with just, like, all of his, his luck and things falling into place. Uh, I mean, how... How is it wrapping your brain around writing stuff like that? Uh, it was. It was hard, like because I did. Uh, like I'm. I didn't want things to be completely random. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted stuff to be set up so that when his luck went off, it kind of made sense or it would lead to something else. Like it's a lot of domino effect. Yeah, it's, kind of things. it's the first time. I mean, I've been. I've been. Re- I've been reading long shot comics for twenty <laughs> years now. Oh, oh, <laughs> Brett's hip broke. And this is like the first time that I actually think you have seen any luck character, like Domino included, like any of these luck characters. This is the first time that in your book that you've actually seen events like leading up to when their luck happens. Yeah. Because usually it does just seem like out of nowhere, or like the writer being like, "Yeah, I just." They're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's easy. Uh, and I think that's, that's that's a really cool take on, on him and these three issues that have come out so far. Yeah, I was really bothered that that wasn't a thing in the past. I was like, I <laughs> felt like it seemed like it had to be that way. Um, which actually made things a lot easier for me because 
everything I wanted to do I hadn't really seen before. Even like when he's in the cartoon, like I watch yeah. I watch his episodes in the X Men cartoon, and I was like, he doesn't actually even get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> his eye just glows sometimes. Like, <laughs> But you got to be pretty lucky to have a glowing eye. <laughs> sure. Look He's one of the most... Like, yeah. <laughs> I've wanted to be him for Halloween. Like, I've come close to being him for Halloween a couple times. Because oh, he's one of the most visually interesting characters out. I mean, like, the bandolier, uh, the throwing knives, three fingers, mm-hmm. mullet, mm. uh, glowing eye. Like, he has so much stuff going you on You just want an excuse... To cut your hair into a mullet. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> You've been talking about it for years. Well, Just no, do it. Now Longshot has a totally new oh, haircut. So you could totally whip this into his new haircut. Again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I, in, I had his sideburns. These sideburns he has in his comic, <laughs> I had those Well, the Well, the artist does have those sideburns, which is, I'm, I'm assuming, why, why he has them. Uh, I, I do have to bring up the... Um, one of the most delightfully gay pages I've ever read in a Marvel comic book. <laughs> Which, as a gay man, I flipped out and I was so happy to see. Uh, when Longshot goes to the uh, Rockabilly Barbershop in the, Brooklyn. The Barbershop, yeah. <laughs> and then has all of the hairdressers, or salon? Wait, what are male? They're hipster barbers. Hipster barbers. Yeah. Basically, like, hit on him. Which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is... It's, well, you know, he's supernaturally attractive. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I, I actually go to Persons of Interest by I do too. Or <laughs> I did before my man Johnny left. Uh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Jeez, I need... Okay, I just go to the yeah. Aveda hair salon in the mall across the street from me. Oh, yeah. Now, Persons <laughs> of Interest is great. It's called Humans of Interest in the comic because right. uh, I put it in Park Slope. And I was like, well, everyone knows... Persons of interest is in Carroll Gardens or in Williamsburg. And this, this all has to happen on Union Street. So, <laughs> uh, I'm glad to know that professional writers get hung up in logistics as much as I do. Oh yeah. man, I sent. I well, the whole thing with the first issue is about all these unlucky things happening that that drive um, the cosmic cube towards Longshot. Yeah. So I had like a very specific route where they try to drive it through Manhattan to get to Staten Island, and then they keep getting turned around, which forces them to go into Brooklyn and then like by Union Street where <laughs> all this stuff is happening. It's very important. I sent. Uh, we talked about this before we started recording. I'm not sure how to pronounce the artist's name. It's either Jacopo or you thought Jacopo, Jacopo, or it could be something else. Jacopo. Jacopo. I don't know. Is that offensive? I don't know. Is it? I don't want to be offensive. Because I'm, I'm hyper aware. I don't know. Let's say, J, all right, Jay is Jay. a tremendous artist. Uh, and, no, and I really wish I knew how to awesome. pronounce his name. But I sent him a Google Maps route of the entire oh, wow. way that like the, the truck goes like through Manhattan. And then they stop at Whitehall Street and then have to get... Like go through the battery tunnel and then get on the BQE. And yeah, like, yeah. The subway station looks like a New York subway station. Yeah, that's the Whitehall Street. Yeah, yep. uh, which rarely happens. Cloverfield, <laughs> <laughs> big screen hit. Cloverfield. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's really it's an awesome miniseries. I definitely. I mean, I suggest anyone who, if you've read Peter David's X Factor book, you should definitely be checking this out, people. Thank you. Um, uh, I have I've heard some complaints about the humor. <laughs> what com- well, well, I mean, from that there's humor well yeah wow <laughs> is this like do you go on twitter and like look for that stuff or yeah i, sh- I mean I shouldn't, you shouldn't oh man uh, it's like it's like it you looks- sounded like you were shaming yourself oh, as you said that well no i, I go and like i remember like the day it came out i started looking and i was like everybody likes it this is what everybody likes it this is great which made me emboldened 
yeah. to continue looking as it came uh, out. Yeah. And then uh, once reviewers got a hold of it, uh, not as happy. It seems like, yeah, like like the Tumblers, the Tumbling Teens yeah. seem to like it, but like, which is, you know, but yeah. somebody who will break down the entire synopsis of a comic in a blog and then talk about why they didn't like it. I hate that. Didn't like it. A review yeah. is not a synopsis. I yeah, really yeah. I hate that That's so much. A, I think a lot of people that think they're reviewers mistake that for recappers. Yeah. And there's a well, there's a distinct difference. And I also don't understand like how you could do a long shot comic book and not have it be funny because I actually think like, I mean the X Factor itself. I mean Peter David's original X Factor was hilarious, but his more recent version of X Factor not that funny. Um, but even Longshot in that book was a comic relief yeah, character. Yeah, I think Longshot's always been a funny guy. Yeah. He's a happy yeah. go lucky. Exactly. He's, he's lucky. He's happy go lucky. He's and not a dark demented. He's sort of carefree. Guy. He's always weird. Like he has every right to be very dark and demented. He is sure. a he has Rough a fucked times. up origin. <laughs> he yeah. comes from a hellish dimension, overrun by a spineless, <laughs> six legged weirdo. Yeah. Um, I think the least funny he ever was was in X Men at the end of Jim Lee's run. Yeah. yeah. When, when they really he, like, tried to make him like a revolutionary, he was like, "Oh, I have no idea what's happening, and <laughs> I'm in trouble." Did well, you... <laughs> you know, memory wipes over and over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I don't know how many times he's had his, his head. He's had his memory wiped. I, I feel like well, they, he he he's a character that disappears for a long time and then come. Like I said, I think in between Peter David re, like picking him up again, he hadn't been seen for like three or four or five years. Oh, I think. Okay. And oh, yeah. I feel like every time he comes back, the whatever writer's handling him just kind of like yeah, that was memory wipe. <laughs> like it just yeah. always happens. Yeah. That's kind of what I said. Like we don't does does he remember Dazzler or not? We're not or is he just trying to oh, not be awkward? I love oh that the, that great love story. <laughs> he touched his heart. Listeners, Him he touched his heart as he said that weird relationship to Shatterstar, which oh. I love. I love oh, how convoluted I love that is. That so much. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that is comic books, one hundred percent. That's Peter David basically saying, like, "Oh, you guys have been waiting twenty years for this origin. Okay, well, I'll give it to you." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love weird time travel crap like that too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of weird crap, uh, this week we read. A couple books. We read some Santa Claus murders. We read we read the that is uh, that is the name of this episode, the Santa, Santa Claus, Claus murders. Claus. Um, yeah, so we read a couple books from the nineties. Uh, Chris, had you any familiarity with Lobo prior to reading this? Sure, I, I know about the main man. Yeah, uh, were you were you a Lobo fan back in the day at all? Not especially. Not especially. No, this is I, my first Lobo thing ever. Yeah? Yeah. Like the first thing you've ever read with him in it. Yeah, I mean, I remember I flipped through the Marvel vs. DC issue uh, just to see who would win between him and Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, mm. Back I remember that. I remember it being in a Walmart in Tennessee, being like, who's winning this? Okay, I knew that. Got mine at the supermarket. <laughs> just saying. Right. Uh, the old days. Um, in West Virginia. Ah. Where at in West Virginia? I'm from Wiley Ford. Where's that at? Eastern uh, or Western? Uh, God, I think it's Eastern. Okay. Uh, the thing is, like, it's it's actually it's on the edge where we live is on the edge of Western Maryland. Oh, sure. So, like, the, like literally, you could see the border from my parents' house. Oh, wow. It's yeah. the Potomac River. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just lived there because I believe the land taxes were cheaper or some such. But, <laughs> Makes like, sense. I went to school in Cumberland, Maryland, and yeah, um, you know, friends lived there and all that. How stuff. southern is that? Uh, that is r- just north of the Mason-Dixon. So it's like, is it culturally like... There's an accent. Okay, but it's not... What not, are you getting at? Well, being from <laughs> Tennessee, we there, West Virginia has a, has a, has a stigma. 
<laughs> I don't know how to ease. I'm sorry. I feel bad. Well, I mean, it does have the worst public schools in the United States. Oh, yeah. Tennessee isn't much that's better. That's what you mean. Yeah. Uh, no, I, like two of my really good friends from college are from West Virginia, and they never spoke very highly from it. But I don't think they're from. I mean, like border of Maryland seems like you're very close to civilization. <laughs> yeah, and also like the wonderful whites uh, of West Virginia documentary. Sure, oh boy, like that's some terrifying shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't live that deep. Yeah, yeah, there's some like. I mean, there's, there's still like, there's still very much a, a culture of hunting. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, living in a house with wheels, and you know, stuff like but that. you have that in Pennsylvania too. Oh yeah, deer season started last week, and uh, most people I know from Western Pennsylvania, oh. their Facebook feed was filled with <laughs> shots of them out oh, yeah. in the snow and talking about hunting deer. Oh, yeah. thing, like living in the South, I feel like I was led to believe growing up that the South was the only place like that. Like that, like shows oh, like no. Seinfeld and Friends and whatnot painted this picture of like if you're not living in the South, it's all like urban and metropolitan. We're all smart, and all you people from the South are stupid. And then I move to New York City, and I learned, oh no, 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 ninety percent of the state is exactly like the South. Yeah, <laughs> or like even driving across the country, I've learned like ninety percent of Pennsylvania is just yeah. like the oh, South. Yeah. I was like, okay, I was I was sold a false bill of. Goods. Bill of goods. Bill yeah. of goods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, the Lobo Paramilitary Par- <laughs> yeah. Christmas Special. I had to go on a West Virginia aside for some reason. Sure. So this book uh, is written by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant. If Alan Grant what is... Alan Grant? Uh, what did Alan Grant do besides save some kids on an island of dinosaurs? That's... Okay, it's a different Alan Grant. <laughs> uh, though it's I do... my childhood heroes. You're a clever girl. Congratulations. Uh, but was he a Batman guy? Was, didn't he write Batman? Uh, yeah, he did. Okay, that's He wrote right some... Out, uh, he wrote... Uh, I think he was the first writer on Shadow the Bat. Hmm. And he did that for a long time. Um, art by Simon Bisley. Yeah, yeah. It's some nutso art He did. Here. He did a lot of... He did a lot of Lobo's first, like, major appearances. In the, well, not his first, like, in Omega Men, but when he became popular in the late 80s or early 90s, uh, there was the Lobo miniseries, and then Lobo's back, and then this paramilitary Christmas special, and I think there was an Easter special as well, which might have been a pseudo-sequel to this. Uh, I'm just guessing, I'm trying to remember all this off the top of my head. But, um, the Easter Bunny, and the Easter Bunny, who's only the only person represented here, but supposedly other... Um, representations of holidays all pull money together to hire Lobo to kill Santa Claus because Christmas is overtaking all of the other holidays in terms of importance and, uh, and, and stature in the eyes of all communities around apparently the galaxy. Wow. Yeah. And, and Lobo, uh, goes to town. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lobo is not afraid to murder Santa Claus at all. Well, it turns out Santa Claus is a pretty bad dude. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a PBD. Well, there's a really good I like when they it's go to the to PYT. Yeah, Lobo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lobo Lobo's the PYT. A PYT. <laughs> Santa the PBD. Uh, when they uh, far to the north in the land of everlasting isolate, the stronghold of Santa Claus is what they say. A brutal dictator repeatedly slammed by Amnesty International. <laughs> this is the one page that actually made me made me laugh. Yeah. When they are describing what Santa Claus is in the in this, he ran his empire with an iron fist, planned malnutrition to keep his army small in stature, but fighting fit and fierce as ferrets. <laughs> like, I uh, like the I like the phrasing fierce as ferrets. Yeah. I like the idea that he breeds his elves so that, like, they're controllable but still, like, spry. Yeah. And, like, that's why they're so small. Um, but as, I mean, as comedy writers all, uh, did we think this, did, 
Sorry, did you think this was funny? Did you, what did you what did you uh, make of the humor? I I liked I liked I liked parts of it a lot. Uh, other you know other parts I'm like all right I get it like you you shoot a lot of people yeah uh, but like I I really I really liked the uh, the intro which had something to do with like apparently this this horrible yeah. couple lives in some sort of world where it's implied that like if they don't get their children presents their children will murder them and they're yeah. terrified of them oh, that's what I that... thought that was really slick how they didn't quite come out and say it. But then I got a little lost, like, apparently they're delivered this story of how Lobo kills all the children, and maybe this will save them, but no. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, I did not know what to make of the bookend. Um, or also their hair. Cause the... <laughs> she gets stressed and she loses it. <laughs> you know, here's... Oh, as you're saying that out loud... And I'm, of course, just extrapolating based on nothing. But I wonder if that's even a commentary as if uh, the couple represents the creators themselves saying, oh, we have to give the children a Lobo story because they want a Lobo story or they will freak out. They will yeah. flip oh, their man. shit on us. I bet not, but I I, I bet when they look back on it, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Yeah. that happens, you know. You, you of course, your subconscious will put all kinds of stuff on the page. I mean, yeah. Keith Giffen is a great. I mean, like he's a hilarious writer. I mean, oh yeah, yeah he did uh, Justice League. Just, Justice League, he did oh. a bunch of the Annihilation. Like Star Lord was a really funny series. I mean, yeah. I mean, Abnett and Lanning's Guardians of the Galaxy stands on Keith Giffen's shoulders in you know, yeah. so many ways. I agree with that. Um. So that's why I was expecting more of a romp, and you get, um, kind of, it's kind of padded. Like, they pad it out with a whole lot of just gory mm. elf violence. Well, it I is. mean, that's what you came for. Yeah, right? I, guess, yeah. I, guess, I guess if you saw this on the shelf back in 90-whatever this came out, and, you know, that's, that's what you're gonna want. Yeah, like, the, <laughs> I did, I, I did laugh at how unnecessarily violent the like shooting of the elves was like the just the the shredding like there's a there's a page where we see one of them get their like two of them get their brains blown out of their heads and like just chunks of their skulls flying everywhere and then what's even odder to me i don't know i'm thinking in terms of heightening you get past that page and then you see another elf very violently and and graphically get its head ripped off and then the next page uh, or like two pages later, once we get we get through oh. all of them, we see a pile of elf bodies. But it's the tamest. Like he walks away from it <laughs> in the tamest image of all of them, which is just all of them riddled with bullet holes. Yeah. Sure. You want to talk heightening versus lateral moves? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, the dog only takes off arms. That's true. He does it two panels in a row. You just see him with the same exact angle with the arm. And I was like, mm, you didn't heighten right. <laughs> <laughs> I question your heightening. That's true. And uh, But, you know, it's it's two arms and a fart, though. We get a that's, boff. That's we get a nice boff at the bottom. I did enjoy it when he chops down and has a fart. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay, this is like... This because just... you know when you swallow food, you have to fart immediately. immediately. Uh... Because your body only has so much room for matter. Right. <laughs> Get this air out. Push the air away. This The cover of it says, Seriously suge- suggested for mature readers. In small print. Uh, it says, Warning contains bad taste in the form of ultraviolence, icon bashing, and the finger. More offensive than Christmas usually is. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just crazy that DC... Accurate. 
It's crazy that DC published oh, this. Oh, yeah. I guess it's not really under an imprint, is it? This is this, this predates Vertigo. Yeah. There, um, Vertigo didn't exist, and... I wanted to start to talk about the origins of Vertigo, because I feel like I used to know them, and now I'm blanking. <laughs> um... Like, Vertigo well, was sort of created because there was a controversy surrounding a very specific book. And... I would not be surprised if it was this one. <laughs> oh, brother. Um, well, I mean, what was, was Lobo... This is not Lobo's first appearance. He appeared prior to this. Lobo, Lobo appeared in, like, oh, Omega Men number three. Oh, weird if this was his first <laughs> <It's> appearance. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man, so many questions. Yeah. Like, why, why is he killing Santa? Why does he look like Slash? Yeah. I got that vibe hardcore from this one image. Like, he just looks like Slash in the November Rain video or something. Oh, yeah. Like, or maybe Slash in the November Rain video looks yeah. like Lobo. What? Which came first, the Lobo or the Slash? Uh, <laughs> That's a great question. But I just, like, can't imagine being a kid and reading this. Was it, was it, I think, was Lobo originally a Superman villain? Was that, was that where No, Lobo was uh, originally in Omega Men. He was like, it was like a, a space book in the early 80s that DC put out. He was just like this random guy that was sprung from a prison. He had like a weird like orange and white and purple jumpsuit. Oh, like his man. first couple appearances. And it wasn't until in the late 80s that they decided to, um, I, I don't... Slasherify him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just uh, they just kind of, you know, turned him into this like hyper-violent... Yeah, bounty hunter that uh, that runs around the galaxy calling everyone a bastitch. <laughs> that was yeah. the one thing I always knew about Lobo is that everyone was a bastitch. Uh, he also is a big fan of uh, midriff shirts. Or no, <laughs> that's his jacket. His oh jacket, yeah, yeah. His jacket uh, doesn't go all the way down. Does that excite you? Is that is that uh, is that no. eye candy for, no, for we spent, a game? We, we spent a lot of time uh, going over my type last week. That's true. Uh, Lobo is squarely not following the type. That's that's fair. Um, basically, like Lobo. I mean, from my reading of this, is like Lobo is like DC's Deadpool. Yeah. Just with none of the humor. Oh. Well, is it? Not <laughs> oh, I mean, humor? I mean, I mean, they're they're aiming for humor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess like uh, it's the same type of story, except like Lobo himself doesn't make a lot of jokes or like doesn't oh, have a lot yeah, of like one-liners. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Deadpool is nothing but one-liners. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting too because I think we also have to view it within context context of time and sort of advancement in our own expectations of comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you look back at classic shows, I won't include Cheers, but, like, <laughs> there are definitely certain shows that are considered classics, and you go back and look at them, and the comedy's slower, the pay, the, 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 there are less jokes per minute, the writing is right. a little, it, it isn't as concise, because Which there are other things... Which one are you talking about? Which one are you talking about specifically? ...that influenced it, <laughs> that were influenced by it, that have built off of it. Yeah. Yeah. If I had never seen a story where the Easter Bunny wants to kill Santa Claus, like, yeah. I'd been a lot more into this. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I think I, I saw a sketch, like, like show a couple days ago where that was the plot. Oh, wow. Where yeah. it was like, if the Easter Bunny wanted Santa Claus dead. It's always the Easter Bunny, but there aren't yeah. really, like, there aren't that many, like, fictional icons associated with holidays. Like, Thanksgiving doesn't right. have one. Halloween just has a whole bunch of monsters. Oh, Indians. Yeah, yeah. Halloween has, or Thanksgiving has Indians and Yeah, it's the fictional, those are the fictional characters that are associated with Anthropomorphic turkeys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. They're also the two associated with the 
different ends of Jesus's life. Yeah. yeah. I like, uh, I did too, like the, the reveal that for no reason Santa has a gorilla for a roommate. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, great. I was struggling with that too. I was like, why is he friends with a gorilla? And then it really made me question things like, why does Dr. Ninja have a gorilla secretary? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was like. I'm just as guilty. <laughs> Chris calls I up have... and is like, guys, you made my world fall apart. Can't oh, you man. Yes, bye. Something I've been struggling with since the... Because I remember I had, an, I had a reason and I forgot it. Yeah? Uh, yeah. It says Roommate Kong. Yeah. Roommate. So There's like some a... interesting Donkey Kong imagery with the gorilla at different huh. points. Uh, like with throwing... Oh, like when they're barrel, building the like, warheads yeah, and stuff too? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like the scaffolding kind of thing. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do like that, like, it is nice that Santa Claus does get in some shots uh, on Lobo. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm one, I want, I kind of want to see more of this Santa Claus's life. What, like, what happened? <laughs> like, Sure, what made uh, him such what a bastard? made him? How did, he, how did he become this bastard? Oh, that's something yeah. I, had, I was curious about. It's like, there's a part where, like, he's about to kill Santa. Santa's like, why don't we go fight? And they're like, why here? And Santa's like, it's more room. I'm like, I don't know why they switched locations, because there's no, it seems like they never actually pull back a shot far enough to see what this fight location is, Yeah. why it would be advantageous to Santa Claus, Yeah. and why he would want to go hand-to-hand with Lobo. Because all yeah. the panels are super tight close Yeah, exactly. I don't, super tight. You could have done this whole fight in his little palace room, too. Well, it's like, okay, we got to get, like, what, 42 pages? Uh, we need to have a page of them walking to another room. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Just hand it out some. Because there are a lot of, like, full-page, like... Splash pages in this. Well, that's yeah. nice. I, I mean, yeah, it's a nice breather. Um, but they're gorgeous too, because it's Simon Bisley, and he's, I, you know, I think his art's fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was really cool looking. I thought it fit the, fit the tone and kind of, I think maybe elevated the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he kills Santa very. I mean, about, well, not like maybe at the end of the act two. So it's like a whole third act at the end where it's like Lobo just wandering around the North Pole like <laughs> finding the naughty and nice list which I thought was a very... That was like, okay, maybe that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah that was like, fun. It's like, okay, it's like naughty list, nice list. Huh. <laughs> Surveying his... Uh, his uh, I like that he's looking enemies. at it in terms of like, oh, this naughty list is all competition for me. Yeah. yeah. So we have to wipe them out. I, I really enjoyed that too. Uh, and then there's a little footnote. It's like, oh, and then he kills the next ones too. So it's like, what's yeah. the point of the list? You just need to aim a bomb at every house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a child, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he only spares childless yeah. couples. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> You're infertile. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no, uh, I mean, like this is not in continuity, right? Oh, it's in another universe, okay. isn't it? It's a, is this another dimensions? Uh, well, I mean, close? yeah, it's it's sort of this is technically a tale told in a book. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah. So it seems very clear that the unhappy couple in the beginning and the end are from some other planet or dimension. Yeah, it's never specified, and I thought that we were going to get that. And I flipped back to the beginning, and I thought I might have missed it, but it seems like it is Christmas in another world, right? Which they said is the thing that happens. Yeah, uh, and then of course we get the reveal at the end that the book is only good for one tale and then disappears. And I did laugh out loud that the very last scene is Lobo flipping off the reader. Why did, why? I, I was why like, did he do that to me? I was like, yeah, I guess the joke is on me, isn't it? For reading well, also, your book. Uh, the dog is also flipping off. Oh, little, yeah. Little middle paw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a, uh, he also has a matching cigar. 
Or is maybe that just like half of the same cigar? Oh, that'd be nice. It's like it's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of like a, a Aladdin and Abu sharing a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's Christmas and an orphan that. comes along and they give the cigar to the orphan. <laughs> this is Bastich the orphan. <laughs> so I mean, is this something we would uh, like revisit every year at Christmas to get full, to get filled with the holiday spirit? No, I think I remember all the pages. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could I could keep the memory in my heart. Yeah. More than I need to revisit it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a huge Christmas uh, human being. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I feel like I have such a very specific idea of what is Christmassy and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I got into, I didn't get into an argument on Tumblr, but I made a point on Tumblr that I do not think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Is oh, not in my Christmas canon. Right. Uh, and I think that people that claim it's their favorite Christmas movie are overlooking real Christmas movies that actually deal with Christmas. He I says, wish I had. He, jing- says I have, he says I have a machine gun now. Ho ho ho! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish I would have had like sleigh bells to slowly start shaking behind you and build as you like yeah. went on faster and faster into your screen. So and like things like like this issue is like I don't. There's there's a real thing with Christmas where people feel the need to subvert it, like mm. just like all the time, yeah. all the time. Sure. <laughs> I mean, both the issues that we read, we read today are all about like subverting Christmas expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, which I want, I don't know. You're not a big fan of that. No, you like, like the sincerity of I, it. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe that makes me weak. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that it does. But, I mean, I like, I like some genuine good cheer. I mean, I watched a fucking Full House Christmas episode and it almost made me cry. No, you watched two Full House I watched, Christmas okay, episodes. Only one of them almost made me cry. Okay. Jesse's big speech in the airline baggage claim about how they could still have a beautiful Christmas because it isn't about material possessions got to me. That's fair. I don't know why I'm admitting this. It's okay. One, you're amongst friends. It was friends. a very popular TV show. Yeah, <laughs> touched the hearts of all Americans. Oh. Yeah, for seven seasons. Yeah. For seven seasons. You got it, dude. That show. You got it, dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, this was this was an interesting read. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the fuss is with Lobo. Does, is this Lobo's best work? Do we think? I don't really know his other work other yeah. than. Losing to Wolverine in a bar fight when their universes collided. Yeah, I think that I think that the most popular Lobo story was Lobo's Back. It was the second Lobo miniseries. I think it came out after this, and basically someone kills Lobo, mm. and he keeps getting re- he gets reincarnated in a woman's body, mm. uh, and he has to track down the guy that fragged him. Okay. Um, and uh, it's a four-issue miniseries. Simon, uh, Simon Bisley draws that as well. I think it might actually be painted. I'm not entirely certain. That'd be cool. um, I don't have too much experience with the Zarnian either. Um, Did he ever have a, a long-lasting, ongoing series? Or was it all like miniseries and guest spots? I think it was mostly miniseries oh. and guest spots. I think that's sort of where they got the... That's sort of the same Venom approach that happened yeah. after him. Of, you know, just a lot of mini-series instead of a, a, a full-on regular series. Here's a question. Uh, Chris, where do you sort of fall on the uh, on the spectrum of enjoyment of Christmas? Are you a fanatic? Or are you guys just like, <laughs> it's there, I'm cool with it? Or uh, I like Christmas a lot. Yeah? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, we decorate uh, and there are presents. There's a yearly viewing of um, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. I just watched yes. it two nights ago. Uh, yep. Oof, so good. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm fanatic, uh, but it's a nice holiday. I like presents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my uh, 
this year, well, you know, because I'm married, like, you know, split Christmases with the in-laws and my family. And so it's sort of a every other year sort of thing. So this year, we actually had Christmas at my parents' house last weekend. Ah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so woke up one Saturday, the 8th. And it was like, Merry Christmas! Open <laughs> presents in a pajama! <laughs> <laughs> you know, have a roast or something. Uh, yeah, it was great. That's fun. Yeah. See, Christmas isn't all about a day, a specific day of the year. It's about people and love and togetherness and mutilating reindeer and elves, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, there's a lot of mutilation that's been going on in these books, and it sort of continues with Hitman 22, uh, which was, which is called The Santa Contract, which I thought was an incredibly fun, funny book. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I really liked it. Yeah, that was really solid. This. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read any Hitman before? Yes. Okay. I've never read it. This is my first Not a lot. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and this also, I mean, Vertigo exists at this point, because this is yeah. 98, and yeah. Hitman is not a Vertigo book. Yeah, no. He's a Batman guy. He is. Uh, so here's a fun little piece of history. Hitman debuted in a summer where Marvel and DC concurrently released annuals, where every single annual oh, yeah, yeah, had yeah. a new character Extreme, introduced. Extreme, Empire, Executioner. Yes. Um, I know, I know. Uh, a lot of characters with the word blood in their name. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, the, the DC Genesis crossover Bell. at that time was called Bloodlines. And then there were sub-story like, like Bloodlines, The Bloodening, Bloodlines... That's really close to Blood Ties. Like, that's like the same year almost. Because yeah. Blood Ties was 94 right. when Avengers X-Men. So this was, uh, this was summer of 92 and... Uh, or maybe 93? Doesn't matter, Matt. Anyways... Um, <laughs> 93. He was... He showed up in the, uh, in the annual for uh, Etrigan... Etrigan? 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 Am I adding Etrigan? a letter or taking one it's out? The Rhyming Demon. The yeah. Rhyming Demon, thank you. Uh, he debuted in that annual because this was the creative team on that annual. Oh, John uh, McRae and Garth Ennis. Yes. And John McRae's also the lead singer of Cake? Yes, Is that but his I name? do not it's believe it's not the same, same guy, guy, but they're both named John McRae, right? But they do both wear short skirts and long jackets. And have and play uh, vibra slaps. Yes. Uh, I believe this John McRae also always says, Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, they went on, uh, about a year or two later to do a full-fledged, uh, I think he had a couple appearances in backups and maybe some, uh, yeah. Batman annuals or something over the next year or two. And then they began the Hitman series itself proper and placed him in the DC universe. Also, like, it's just weird. Like, I feel like they would, uh, it's just weird to have a book that just, like, curses a lot. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> that is not that is in the it doesn't that is not like Vertigo or Marvel's Max or something like that. Yeah, uh, it definitely uh, pushes that bound that sort of comics code boundary that existed at the time. It definitely wasn't approved. I would imagine. Oh, it does look like it's. On it, the I mean, cover, it's not right? on the cover. I don't yeah, know if that's uh, just because it's like a comicsology version. But I mean, like the first spoken word is bastards, which if you read comics in the nineties, you know they didn't get more like risque than damn sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's that bastards is usually represented with. Which is just a bunch of symbols. That's how I used to read it in my head when I was a kid. Was they were saying, Yeah, I never really parsed uh, the swear words either. Yeah. Um. So it worked. (laughs) Great job, Comics Code. Yeah. Uh, So a gentleman who's 
a janitor at uh, a nuclear company, a nuclear power plant sure. near Gotham, uh, which is strangely owned and run by two gentlemen that look like Montgomery Burns and Mr. Wayland Smithers. <sighs> That's what it was. Um, <laughs> I was like, why are they doing this panel? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, see that. Cute. Uh, so the janitor is, like, in one of those, like, shitty things happen to people scenes that Garth Ennis writes, uh, is knocked into a, a vat of radioactive chemicals by a Santa, by a man dressed in a Santa suit, bringing in Christmas bonus checks. And, uh, and is, it what crawls out. an evil out. corporation. Yes. <laughs> what a horrible evil corporation. Uh, he crawls out of the ooze and is so excited because he survived, mm-hmm. and he says that now he can be a superhero. If you survive anything nuclear, that's what that means. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's the he, laws of the it's I, laws of nature. Yeah, I like that he's aware that he lives in a universe where that's possible. Yeah. Yep. Well, don't they even like bring up like that happens a lot? <laughs> like... Yeah. The last uh, the the Burns and Smithers. Uh, stand-ins talk about their last accident. Oh, yeah. Developed mucus powers and went off to form his own super team, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so For a hired... second, I was like, who is that referring to? I was like, I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I tried to, I tried to, I couldn't reference, think of it. That's a real reference, I didn't get it. Mucus powers. Unless it was the to- Toxic Avenger? I don't like her. No. Like, this sounds like a tick villain to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. Um, so then they hire Hitman to... Take to kill this guy to yeah. kill this Santa Santa robed radioactive man. Right now, part of the conceit of Hitman too, and I haven't read all of it, which is a mistake on my part, is that you know it's a very street level story in Gotham where this is a guy that will take on uh, fantastical villains, but he's a contract he's a contracted yeah. hitman, uh, and he has buddies and he hangs out and drinks at a bar. He's you know he doesn't really make any qualms about being. A terribly good guy or a horrible guy. He does wrestle with it, but yeah. it's a very interesting real-world take on on someone that would be on in that situation uh, in a fantastical setting like Gotham City. Yeah, and he's got his friend. Uh, what's his name? His his psychic guy. Which one? Oh, um, uh, I'm looking at names. <laughs> I should have been more prepared. Yeah, my brain broke. Franklin from Grand Theft Auto Five. Yes, yeah, it's Franklin. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so they they're like they're broke on Christmas Eve and they get the the contract net like ten thousand dollars, right? Yeah, to go off this dude. It's like okay, cool. Yeah, we'll because he he uh, he was excited and said he could be a superhero. And when he grabbed the person to tell him that excitedly at the nuclear plant, he immediately they immediately succumbed to like. Uh, radiation, poison, and decay. Yeah. And no. the other guy that was standing there said, well, those look like supervillain powers to me. And he goes, yes. Ah, guess you're right. <laughs> Give me that Santa suit. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to melt when I put it on. Right, yeah. because... Made of like a weird, like, polyester it's... blend. Oh, right? there you go. Poly blends. <clears throat> now, the thing, the interesting thing about this issue to me was that it is entirely, like, the narration is all done in, like, Christmas yeah. rhyme. That was really yeah. off-putting when I would switch from the narration to the dialogue. Yeah. I'd keep trying to read it, like, in meter. I'm like, oh, wait. They're not yeah, doing that anymore. That's my only complaint, really, with this issue, is that I feel like Garth Ennis should have just done it, like, whole, like, Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Little Christmas style, where, like, sometimes you'll get, you'll get lines of dialogue, but those lines of dialogue rhyme with narration. Yeah, because they, they do have that in the boxes. Sometimes there's, like, and then he said, da-da-da, ah! da-da-da, yeah. if it's in the box. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I wish they had done that, like, really just um, uh, stuck to the game that they had established. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's not really a fantastical solution to killing this guy, either. They run him over with a car. He goes to a shopping mall to just, like... Kill people. Kill <laughs> yeah. A uh, mall of, uh, mall of Mammon? Yeah. Or Mammon? Yeah. What's the correct pronunciation of that? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like Mammon. <clears throat> and they run him over with a car, uh, to try and stop him. Yeah. Um. And then they just, he, well, this is really funny, is like, he gives this whole speech about, like, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. please, like, I'm begging you, don't. Don't like you kill. Don't kill me. Show mercy. Uh, but Tommy and Nat had no mercy for Bob, uh, not with him being a ten thousand job and about to be shot full of hollow point holes. He at last learned the cost of his venomous soul. Yet a Blade Runner fan was this miserable heel and Rucker's great speech from the end. He did steal. Yeah, <laughs> Which I, I love. It. I've seen things. <laughs> Amazing. That was, that was a really good reveal. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So we all thought this was, like, funnier. Like, would you say this was a more welcome, well-crafted comic? Yeah, it's just a solid, uh, yeah. Also, really, yeah, I thought the, I liked the way the Santa guy was drawn. He just looked cool. Yeah. I like, I like the relationship between Tommy and Nat, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know, it feels really natural. Uh, they rib each other, but you can tell, like, it's not mean. It, all, all the dialogue just seems very, like, seems to flow very well and i like i like the setup i like the interaction i like the sort of payoff at the end nat mentions that tommy's dating a cop or an ex-cop and ribs him about that and then the christmas present that he gives him at the end is a junior cop set uh after he had asked him if she lets him wear the uniform when they're in bed (laughs) well they give each other christmas presents i don't know this this is now, like, warming warming my heart a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, of course, gives Nat a six-pack of beer, mm-hmm. wrapped, which is hilarious. I mean, these guys are, these guys are like, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're not high-class guys, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No. Is, uh, this feels like... Um, I believe Hitman gained popularity when he barked on Batman's shoes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a thing that happened. How long did the series run? I mean, sixty issues. Oh wow! Yeah, I think it ran. I think it ran until about two thousand. It ran right up until I think. I think that was like the last thing he did for DC proper, and then left to do. Uh, or no, he was still doing Preacher. He was wrapping up Preacher when uh, he started doing Punisher. Wow, interesting. So I, yeah. this, I've never, I've never um, jumped into this universe. So I'm like, I'm a noob here. Yeah, it's worth it, I think, and it's some. It's another on the long line of lists I, of books that I mean to finish. Um, I've yeah. read, I've read the first, I think, like eight issues, and it's really they yeah. they were all really good. Uh, do you have you ever done anything? Have you ever written anything Christmassy? Have you ever tried to do or like uh, toy with the idea of doing Christmas specials? Let me think. I I did a not really. Uh, there was like a I think the the very. The, the one year when I was still, like, selling t-shirts out of my basement and I was shipping them myself, uh, I was quickly overwhelmed with my Christmas time orders and was not able to handle the demand. Uh, so I prepared a comic um, that people could print out and give to people to tell them that they had a Dr. Ninja shirt on the way. Oh. And it was about, like, the elves, like, 
mutinying and saying that they were that they were so tired of everyone ordering Dr. McTinger merchandise for <laughs> Christmas, and they wanted to make wooden trains, and then they overthrew Santa Claus, and uh, and then Christmas was ruined. And they're like, well, sorry, this is why your shirt's being delayed. That, that is the only Christmas comic that I've made. So. I like that. I was, I was wondering if there were any, like, um, just from everyone's consumption of Christmas media, if there were, like, prereqs you have. For like like a checklist in your head of like okay they say this they're claiming this thing's a Christmas thing let's see if it really is because I mean like because I mean like I want you I want like I want some carols mm-hmm. I want some uh, like lessons some like heartwarming lessons learned I want life to be affirmed yes yeah. I want some life affirmation uh, I want people to travel great distances maybe oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah you know <laughs> I like this I want I, I want a mysterious figure to maybe be Santa. And he winks at you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if he doesn't wink, it doesn't count. I want the weird thing of yeah, movies confirming that Santa Claus does indeed exist and give presents, but yet every year on Christmas, that means there are gifts under that tree that the parents did not buy, that the parents don't question where those gifts came from. Yeah, yeah but still let the kids open them. Yeah. Well, if your name's on it. We don't know where it came from. It's yours. Yeah. I don't know what your mom does on Amazon. Brett, I think but... you are developing... Uh, you should write the 25 tropes of Christmas. No, I mean, I'm working, be... I have a Christmas uh, comic in my head that I have had for years that is basically a weird hot, it's basically the huge checklist. Okay. Uh, and I need, I've been waiting a year to sit down and write it uh-huh. when Christmas comes around, and yeah. Christmas is here, and I've not done it yet. Uh, so Elves, I... should should elves always act like they are, like, Jersey Union workers? No, I think, like, see, being positive, I think elves enjoy what they do, for uh-huh. one thing. They're good at what they do, uh-huh. but I'm also not going to put any type of, like, weird uh, Rankin-Bass restrictions on where their lives can go. If Hermie <laughs> wants to be a dentist, okay. he can be a dentist in my version of the North Pole. Okay. There's a there's a society that has many needs. What about a situation where a reindeer can understand what humans are saying and reacts in a way like, oh, brother. Yes, that's, I mean, like, because, again, in my interpretation, reindeers should be fully formed characters and also should be able to talk. They Why do not? have names. Yeah, they have names, they have personalities. Uh, and I think there's a there's a lineage of reindeer. Uh, I think the eight reindeer that we know are so popular because they lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe <laughs> to bring it back. They're like to the UCB Supreme terms. Court justices. Or or I was gonna say a herald team at the UCB theater that okay. that everyone remembers. That's <laughs> because like they're flawed. They were around for a long time. Uh, yeah. I guess it'd be Bastion, which is the longest running. I had a spreadsheet anyway. <sighs> he does. He has a lot of spreadsheets. It's uh, pretty impressive. I'm just. Um, coming to terms with my life. Um, uh, <laughs> Every episode ends with Brett breaking down and having a realization. <laughs> uh, does do reading either of these issues make you want to? Maybe would would you want to handle? Yeah, actually, I was thinking. I was like, oh, now I kind of want to do that. Um, I actually just remember though. I uh, the, in the Doctor McNinja, see in the first Dark Horse book, Night Powers, um, there is a. Christmas story, but I didn't write it or draw it. Oh. Uh, yeah, Benito Serino, uh, who writes The Tick, and oh, yeah. uh, did some, I think, Adam Eve. Uh, uh, he loves Christmas stuff, and yeah, he wrote a story in where like the uh, some frost giants come to Cumberland and have to be defeated by the, the hat that possesses snow and creates Frosty the Snowman. 
Um, <laughs> they make like a snow giant to out, of, out of Frosty's hat to defeat them. Oh, that's great. It is pretty good. I can wow. say that. I have nothing to do with it except pay them for it. So Yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, you bought it. You can... It's, it's yours. Yeah. Just take control of it. You, yeah, you, you, get to, you get to have ownership over good taste. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we... I, I, I'm glad we read some Christmas issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... Uh, and I'm more, I'm interested to find some life affirming, uh, Christmas issues. I would recommend, I would recommend the two Metropolis mailbag issues of Superman from like 91 and 92. The second one happens during, uh, the funeral for a friend. Oh yeah. Aftermath. And it's all of the other DC superheroes. So the first one is about Clark and Lois answering a bunch of letters that people send Superman care of the daily planet Mm -hmm. and on christmas eve he tries to fly around the world and answer as many of these letters of people who had asked for his help as he can and the next year he's dead so his superhero friends try to fill in for him it's like the rest of the justice league tries to answer all of those letters. it's pretty life-affirming there's that alex ross story right where like it starts off with him delivering the Rockefeller Center. Uh, Christmas yes. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was uh, was that Alex Ross and Paul Dini, right? Yeah, that's right. Paul Dini wrote that. Okay. Well, I need to track that down. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Well, I think it turns into Superman trying to solve real real world problems and finding it out that he can't, which seems to be typical for him. Okay, as long as it isn't Superman like killing Santa Claus. <laughs> No, this okay. is before Superman decided it was okay to start killing people. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there is also if you if you are in the market for a life affirming Christmas special, the uh, Avengers Annual Number One that just came out uh, earlier this month by Catherine Eminen and David Lafuente, which is uh, Christmas Eve night at the Avengers Mansion with Tony, Steve, Natasha, Bruce, Lobo Shangchi, Chi, Lobo Shangchi, Lobo Shang Chi. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's very Christmassy. Cap goes to a uh, veteran center on Christmas Eve. Because, of course, he does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, uh, I'm still older than all of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fought Nazis! <laughs> America was behind my war! Oh, and then it's like, uh, that's like the wrong thing, Cap. You've yeah, learned, yeah. You've got to learn not to say that so much. A Christmas story is still a future tale for me! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, there's definitely some... What if there was, like... What if A Christmas Story was about young Steve Rogers? Oh. What if Ralphie was Steve Rogers? Oh, man. Someone, uh, some, someone make a t-shirt of that. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll pitch you the busted tees. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming by and reading these two issues. Yeah, thank you for And, and chatting you. it up. Enjoy yeah. It uh, so please, <clears throat> take this time, plug away. Let us know where we can find you online, where you, wanna, where you want us to look at of your work, and where can we get it. All right. Well, I am currently working on three different comic series right now. Yeah! Hurry for busy. Yes. All right. So I write and draw Dr. McNinja, uh, which you can read at drmcninja.com, with collections available from Dark Horse. Uh, and then I draw the comic uh, Galaga, which is based off of the old video game oh, wow. Galaga. Yeah. It's written by Ryan North of Dinosaur Comics and Adventure Time. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, it's hilarious. Uh, I draw it okay. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, and then, of course, uh, we mentioned that I'm writing Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe. And the final uh, issue comes out uh, next week. I don't know when this goes up. but uh, yeah, It'll be out by then. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. That's a really quick... It was like every two weeks. Yeah, right. It was a really quick turnaround. Let me tell you, it made for some interesting deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say uh, wide-eyed. And... Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why we brought in another artist on the third and fourth issue. Sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and where can people find you on the tweeters? Uh, at Dr. Hastings. Yeah. And that's uh, that's spelled out, right? Dr. Dr. It's just Dr. Hastings. Dr. Hastings. Dr. Hastings. Yeah. Dr. Hastings. Dr. Hastings. Great. Um, and as oh, always... I forgot where the comic, oh. the comic is. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Shiftylook.com. Shiftylook. Uh, Shiftylook, where you can read all kinds of comics based off of uh, Bandai Namco properties. Oh wow. Yeah. That's great. So there's like Dig Dug and uh, Little Pac Man, like some other ones. Yeah, a lot of comics over there. Awesome. You got a really clean style, too, that I really like. Uh, it's very readable, and uh, I think you have uh, excellent storytelling skills. I think that comes across in your writing as well as your art. And I think all of your work's really fun, and I think everyone should check it out. Thank you. I find my artwork to be serviceable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you can always go to mattandbrettloughcomics.com to find more info about this episode. You can check out the show notes where we'll have some scans. From this, uh, from the comics we read today, so you can see just how much Lobo looks like Slash. Hmm. Um, <laughs> while you're there, you should also. Uh, Does that make every issue of Lobo Slash fic? Oh, I think so. Good night, everybody. While you're there, go on and talk to us. Let us know what you think about the episode uh, and, and past episodes as well. Uh, you can also go to facebook.com slash daylovecomics and talk to us there about the episode. Yeah, while you're on our website, why not check out some of our back issues in the back issue bin, such as the episode where we did discuss Planetary with Kelly Sue DeConnick. This is the episode where we did find out that she used to do improv comedy with Mr. Dave Holmes. Yeah. Uh, what other issues could, should people check out? Oh, last year's Christmas episode, oh, uh, yeah. pseudo-Christmas episode, where we read uh, Generation X issues 1 through 4 with Matt Fisher and Nicole Dressel. Oh yeah, I forgot that fourth issue is a is a life affirming Christmas episode. Issue. Well, I don't know. Like, and then it ends with the M Cron Crystal. Yeah, and also like a school teacher dies, like right. of a heart attack. So yes. maybe it isn't that. It's pretty. It's kind of a downer, but it's, it's gorgeous. Stopping. It's great. It is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, also, we really appreciate uh, you guys leaving reviews for us on iTunes because it really helps us out in ways that we don't understand, but it one hundred percent does. So please consider leaving a review in iTunes if you fancy doing that sort of thing, and you should because you're nice people. Please, sir. And uh, there's still a few shopping days left until Christmas. We have our holiday gift guide up on the website, mattandbrettlovecomics.com. Please go check that out. If you click on anything through there, we have some of our uh, great past guests who've contributed some uh, fun gift ideas for you guys. Want a sweet horse mask? We got you covered. <laughs> We've got you covered. Uh, also, any purchase you make through that kicks money back to us because Amazon does that kind of thing. So it doesn't cost you any extra money. It costs Amazon a little bit extra money. And you really want to stick it to the corporations this holiday season. Cha-ching's the season. <laughs> As always, thanks to our producer, Ben Regeeb, for doing all the things we don't know how to do and uh, being the nat to our hitman. What's hitman? That works. What's hitman's name? Tommy. Tommy? Is this yeah. Tommy? Yeah. I just got done reading The Disaster Artist about the making of The Room. So, Tommy? Ha-ha. ha Thank you, Ben. Hi, doggy. Hi, doggy. My favorite customer. Bye. Uh, <laughs> that's me. Oh, God. It's a... F I'll plug that. Buy that through our Amazon store. Buy The Disaster Artist. By, written by Greg Sestero, who played Mark in the book. And was also the line producer. And also the casting director of that movie. 
Uh, it's insane. And you will not watch The Room the same way again. It actually might be too sad for you to watch The Room again after learning how it was made. Why are you? You're the one that wants all the life-affirming Christmas stuff. And you're going to end I, us on I'm a downer. downer. I'm a downer. It's not a Christmas book, though. They can be as dark as they want. All right. That's fair. Uh, Great. Th- thanks again to our guest, Mr. Christopher Hastings. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yay. Uh, and thank you for the beer, by the way. We didn't even mention that. Oh. Uh, you're kind enough to bring us by some beer we enjoyed during the show. Take try- note, future guests. That's try- right. Try to be a good guest. Yay. Just <laughs> like going to a party. That's yeah. right. Uh, so until the next time we throw this party, this is Matt. And this is Brett. And we love comics. Aha! Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. To all the good night.